over the last couple of weeks, we have been dealing with the whole idea of who Jesus is. In point number seven, we made the defense that the New Testament claims or says that Jesus claimed to be God. And we looked at New Testament scriptures on that. And then last week, we dealt with the whole issue of the capstone of the Christian faith, the resurrection, where Jesus proved to be God via the resurrection. On point number nine, we are going to address the therefore of all of this. Who is Jesus? If the New Testament claims that he's God, and if he proved it by his resurrection, then either Jesus is a great moral teacher who did not rise from the dead, but we've already showed that he did rise from the dead. He's either a great moral teacher or he's God in human flesh. My name is Rob Lundberg, and you're listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. Thank you for listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who have a very interesting view of who Jesus is. You know, he's a great teacher and, or a great prophet in the case of uh, those who uh, embrace Islam. But, you know, when it comes to what we've talked about the last two steps— you know, the fact that the New Testament claims that Jesus claimed to be God, that's revealed to us in the New Testament. And then what makes Christianity unique from every monotheistic religion, Judaism and Islam included, is the fact of Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. We talked about that last week. So what I want to do today is I want to deal with the whole idea of who Jesus is is he God, or is he just a great moral teacher? And then what I want to do is I want to cap this show off with just an explanation, an explanation of probably one of the most controversial doctrines among Christians. And the reason why I say it's controversial is because you have people out there professing to be Christians, and they do not hold to a biblical view of the Trinity. So what I want to do is I want to deal with the, the Trinity as well. And, and I'll explain why I have a, a very interesting, unique scenario that happened to us while I was a chapter director at, with Rashio Christi at Germanic Community College back in 2016 or so. And, you know, there's a lot of prophecies. There's a lot of truth with regards to what Jesus, who Jesus is. For example, in right in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says that the Messiah would be of the seed of the woman, or of a woman. In this case, it would be the seed of Mary. Now, it didn't say the seed of the Father, but it is alluding to the virgin birth. Secondly, he was going to be the seed of Abraham. The fact that Christians today are grafted into Abraham, as Paul says in Romans, the, the whole idea of Jesus being the seed of Abraham is for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Jacob's sons, it takes us all the way to 
the, the fact, if you look at the genealogies of Jesus from, say, Luke's gospel, and you look at the genealogy from Matthew's gospel, you see that he is of the seed of Abraham through Judah. And he's also of the tribe of Judah, as it says there, and he's also from the line of David. But not only that, he was both God and man. You know, we read in Isaiah 9-6 that he is the Son of God, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, in Isaiah 9-6, a very popular passage that is read around the Christmas holiday season. And then number six, he was born in Bethlehem. Now, you know, I know that the Mormon church will declare that he was born in Jerusalem, but you know, there's over four to five miles between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. The prophet Micah, in Micah 5.2, declares that the one who was to come as Messiah was going to be born in the least of the cities of Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Not only that, he is also preceded by a messenger visited uh, and, and visited the temple before it was destroyed in A.D. 70. And that's found in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1. And then Jesus died around A.D. 32, 33 A.D. And we read about that in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 26. And as I shared with you last episode, he, he was risen from the dead. You know, some people say Jesus never, never uh, died. You know, maybe he swooned. Well, nobody survives a Roman spear, and the and the gospel writers document this for us that he was he had his pericardium pierced with uh, a Roman spear, so that uh, those that were being crucified with him could be declared dead before the Jewish Passover. They knew it. The, the Romans honored the fact of the Passover. They, they honored the holidays of the captors. But Jesus' bones were not broken. And not only that, nobody survives a Roman spear, but he also rose from the dead. Now, Jesus also claimed to be God. And with that, we read about that in Mark chapter 14, verses 61 to 64, and also in John chapter 8, verses 56 to 59. And if you recall the John 8 passage, which is a pretty popular passage where Jesus himself declares himself to be God without going and saying, I am God, worship me. And that's something that the, that the Muslims want us to go <clears throat> and try and show from Scripture. Well, they're not going to get that. Okay, they're not going to get their wish on this. And that is because he did declare himself to be God to where the, the Jewish rulers, scribes, and Pharisees went and picked up stones to stone him because they knew exactly what he was saying, that he was the I am of Exodus chapter uh, 6. I mean, chapter 3, verse 20, and chapter 20, where he says, in answer to Moses, whom shall I say sent me? He said, tell him I am sent you. 
So when Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am, they knew exactly what he was talking about. <clears throat> you know, but there's also one of these things with regards to his declaration of being deity. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, talks about the trilemma. Who was Jesus? Was he Lord, liar, or a lunatic? If he was crazy, yeah, you know. And it, and it breaks down like this. If you go and you break, take the Lord, liar, lunatic, and you draw it, <clears throat> and you have on one side his claims were false, and you have on the other side his claims were true. If you looked at the side on his claims were false, that, you know, he didn't tell the truth. One, he either knew they were false, or two, he didn't know they were false. And if he knew that they were false, then he would be a liar. If he did not know that they were false, that he would be a crazy person, a lunatic. But folks... We looked at the claims of Jesus last week. I gave you scripture references to look up. And Jesus declared himself to be God in the New Testament. And the New Testament declares him to be God. And, and what Jesus teaches is true, and we'll look at that claim next week. But if Jesus' claims were true, and I believe they were, and they are still today, then he is Lord. So Jesus did claim to be God. We read about that in John 8, 56, 59, John 5, 21, John 17, 5, and John even 14, 6, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. But he also affirmed his deity by his actions. And there are many passages from Mark chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, to... Uh, Matthew 28, 17 to 19, Matthew 14, 33, John 20, 28 and 29, and Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Now, there are some erroneous claims that Jesus denied his deity as such. For example, you know, when Jesus was asked by the, a rich young ruler, this rich young ruler comes to Jesus this one particular time, and the rich young ruler said, good teacher. And Jesus responded, and you can read about that in Matthew 19, verse 17. When the rich young ruler called Jesus good, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responded with that no one is good but God. So what was Jesus dealing with here? Well, Jesus was making a point that by calling him good, the man was also calling him God in chapter 19 of Matthew's Gospel, verse 28. And then also when Jesus subordinated himself to the Father, in some cases, like John chapter 14, verse 28, the confusion lies with our limited ability to understand this thing called the Trinity. And this is what we're going to get into. God as three persons. God is three persons in one divine essence. 
okay? And I'll get into that a little bit more. But when Jesus took on human form, it was in addition to, not a subtraction from, as you would read the heretic Bill Johnson's book, uh, who was the pastor at Bethel Reading, where he says that Jesus emptied himself of all his deity. Folks, that's a heresy. And basically, that book needs to be put in the flames. So when we talk about Jesus being equal to the Father, he's speaking about his divine nature, his divine essence, his divine attributes, and his divine character. When he's talking about him being subordinate to the Father, he is subordinate to the Father in his human nature, his human function, his human office, and his human position. So when we talk about the Trinity, the Trinity is a fantastic doctrine of the Christian church. And I'll spend the rest of our time with this for the rest of our show today. When Jesus claimed to be Yahweh, the one true God, he proved to be God, as I mentioned last week, by way of the resurrection. But Jesus saying, but saying that Jesus is God, as I mentioned to you some of the facts that we've talked to up to this point, it raises a host of questions and objections. And what we're going to do is we're going to examine some of these, and then we'll talk about a little bit, we'll talk about the Trinity in, in all of this as well. The first is that Jesus being God implies something like the doctrine of the Trinity. While not exactly mentioned in the Bible, the Trinity does account for the information that we have been given about God. It does not mean that God is one and three deities, or one person and three persons, which would be necessarily false contradictions. Rather, the Trinity is the notion that there exists within one God three co-eternal and co-equal persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is three in a different way than he is one. Thus, no contradiction results. Picture it this way, if you will. One is a symbol that we know for one. And of course, if you have one, all you have is one, right? So if we multiply one three times, what do you get? You don't get three. You get one. Those professing Christians who believe in the claim that they believe in the Trinity, yet they go and say that the Father became the Son, the Son became the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is named Jesus, is nowhere found hermeneutically in Scripture. It is not taught in Scripture, and it's basically three persons. One, and that's Jesus. It's called modalism. There's a second century heresy to try and explain away the Trinity that's endorsed by folks like Phillips, Craig, and Dean, and T.D. Jakes, and Stephen Furtick, who's a disciple of Jakes. And that is not the biblical doctrine of the Trinity. The second is the 
whole idea is somebody would say that, you know, the Trinity is against human reason. Well, I always, you know, whenever we, we have a conversation, my daughter and I have deep conversations, and it's something that we totally cannot comprehend. It is something that we say and we agree together that we cannot comprehend it, but we can apprehend it. And this is something that about the doctrine of the Trinity. You cannot comprehend the nature totally of God. You can describe the nature of God, but can you totally comprehend that which is infinite? You'd have to have infinite knowledge. So there is no contradiction, and the Trinity itself is not against reason, even though it is beyond our ability to comprehend. Yet we do apprehend it because it's what has been revealed to us. Now, another illustration that I have here for us that I used when I was at Germana uh, with Rashio Christie, I had a Muslim uh, show up. I had a couple Muslims show up in some of our club meetings. And we were talking about the illustration of, say, the equilateral triangle. And if you drew an equilateral triangle, you have three equal sides and three equal angles. Each angle is distinct yet equal, and without them, the triangle could not exist. Similarly, there is only one God, and the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, yet the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, the Father is not the, I'm sorry, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Holy Spirit is not the Son and the Holy Spirit is not the Father and the Father is not the Holy Spirit while no analogy is perfect you can think of God as one essence or what and you can think of the three persons as whose H-W-H-O-O S, you know, like how many who's. Regarding Jesus, in addition to his divine nature, as Philippians 2 notes, he added a human nature to himself when he became man at the incarnation. So while Jesus is fully God, he is also fully man. The who, the son, is what? God. While theologically this is known as the hypostatic union, there are two distinct natures in one person. Therefore, when asking a question about Jesus, we must consider this dual nature. For instance, when Jesus says he does not know something, Mark chapter 13, verse 32, that's his humanity. We realize that that in his humanity, he does not know, yet in his divine nature, he knows all things. Isn't that interesting? When he gets tired or hungry, <clears throat> it is his human nature that suffers the limits of humanity, but not his divine nature. When he says the Father is greater than he in John fourteen twenty eight. It is because his human nature is submissive to the Father, yet their divine natures are equal. Co-equal, co-eternal. In other words, Jesus is not 
less than God. Virtually, and I've got to be careful when I say this, virtually no credible scholar denies Jesus' actual existence. Those that do deny his existence, they were rebuked by Bart Ehrman at an atheist convention saying that Bart was telling them that those Jesus deniers, uh, historical Jesus deniers, are ruining their credibility and ruining their argument. And of course, there are still uh, Jesus mythers out there that, that believe Jesus was just a myth. So that's why I say no credible scholar denies Jesus' actual existence. And many people claim he was just a great man or a great moral teacher. Yet, as C.S. Lewis put it so appropriately, he said this, You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you could fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But he has not come up with anything patronizing nonsense. But, but let, me, let me backtrack here. But let us not, let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. Folks, Jesus is Yahweh, the great I am, being itself, the source of all creation, as we read in Colossians 1.17, and as such, this has tremendous implications for what he teaches, and we'll look at that next week. For our takeaway for this, let me put it to you this way as we wrap up our show today. The doctrine of the Trinity states that there exists within one God three co-eternal, co-equal persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This, folks, is not a contradiction since God is said to be three in a different way than he is one. And Jesus added humanity to himself. He didn't subtract humanity. He didn't subtract deity. He added humanity to his deity, thus having both divine and human nature. So if you talk to anybody from the New Apostolic Reformation, from Bethel Reddick, and they place a whole lot of stock in their pastor, Bill Johnson, and his book, just remember that Jesus added to his deity humanity. He did not subtract his deity and become fully man. To do so is to embrace heresy. You've been listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. If you do have any questions, please, please, please email us at roblundberg315 at gmail.com. We would love to be able to engage your questions. We would love to be able to interact with you. I have somebody that has gone and asked for a resource. I have just noticed it on Facebook. I apologize for the delay. I will be getting that to them. And they will probably have this uh, before uh, next week. So anyways, I, I just noticed this the other day. So that being said, as you go out this week, as you um, 
share with others. Just keep your eyes and your ears open for opportunities to share the gospel. By the way, as we get once I get finished with this series, we're going to change things up a little bit. You'll, it'll still be the Let's Get Real podcast, but we're going to change some things up on the format. I may bring in some uh, ideas for like adding a little segment for like a logical fallacy or something like that. We'll learn how to do some critical thinking with regard to the fallacies and all, and hopefully that'll be a, uh, a learning experience for you and a little entertaining. At least that's what I'm thinking of also. I also want to let you know that I've picked up a something on the web by which to be able to do interviews. So we'll be making announcements for you as we get closer to figuring out the technology and the software and everything like that. And it'll be a uh, fun opportunity for us to be able to interact with one another as well. So until next week, this is Rob Lundberg from the Let's Get Real podcast. This has been a fun show today, talking about some deep, deep truths about the nature and disclosure of God. I hope you have learned something from it. If, Like I said, if you have any questions, please email us at roblundberg315. Also, I would like to invite you to subscribe to the Let's Get Real podcast on iTunes or uh, Podomatic or um, anywhere where you hear this podcast. If you subscribe to it, let us know. Email us, let you know, and I, I'll send you a free resource. Um, uh, and I won't tell you what that is right now, but it'll be a free ebook that I think that'll really, really help you in understanding why Christianity is true or equip you to be able to answer some of the objections that you hear. So until next week, this is Rob Lundberg from the Let's Get Real podcast. Go out and give them heaven, and we will be back with you, Lord willing, next week. Lord bless.